hope that you and your family had a warm and meaningful Christmas celebration. Uh, we're so thankful that you came out on this New Year's Day to worship God with us, to begin the new year with the worship of our Lord and Savior. My family and I are still in Ohio celebrating with our family, and we look forward to being back with you in Minnesota. In the meantime, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. He is an experienced pastor and preacher. Uh, he has a family who have been a part of our church, his daughter and son-in-law and grandchildren. He and his wife have been a part of our church for a better part of the last year, a year and a half. We're so thankful that David was willing to come and open the scriptures for us. Please give a warm Maple Grove welcome to David Selmus. Well, thank you. First of all, I need to start out by saying I'm somewhat confused because uh, I thought that I would dress appropriately, but when you see Zach, the youth pastor, wearing a tie, and I'm just in a sweater, I feel very uh, unprepared. So we'll go with what we have, and Zach, uh, I need to talk to you afterwards. This morning, we come together, and, and thank you for getting up, for working hard to get yourself presentable for uh, this morning, and you've done the right thing to come to a good place to start the new year to be able to be in the presence of the Lord with other people who are also seeking his face. People who, uh, we're all at different places. And as we face 2017, starts today, as we face that, so I was praying knowing that uh, we'd be sharing this morning together, asking what did the, the Lord want to say to you? Uh, he loves you more than you know. And in fact, uh, if I mess up, he still loves you. And he wants to say something to you. And so I want to start out and pray that, that he would have his way, that you would hear his voice and not so much mine. So Lord, here we are this morning and you know everyone's heart. You know where we come from. You know what uh, the last week, what the last year have been like. And so as we're in your presence starting this year, worshiping you, I pray that you'd speak to us. We want to listen. And so would you help us bring our whole selves in here in your presence so that you can deal with the whole person. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, we are going to be looking at a, a passage in uh, 1 Corinthians, but to get us started, uh, I have a suggestion for you. For those of you who make New Year's resolutions, I'd suggest not only changing terms, but if you would change uh, how you go about that, one thing I've discovered about resolutions is once you break them, they're broken, forget it. And that will probably happen before noon today so that all of those things will just be forgotten. I'd suggest rather that what you do is to make um, goals so that you can stumble, you can fall, and you can keep going. There's a goal that you get up for, as that picture illustrates. Sometimes we need help to get up, but we can still keep going. And so I'd suggest that what you do this year is not the uh, resolution, but guided by the Lord, that it would be a goal. Now, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It's on the screen. I'm going to refer to a few different translations. As we approach this, I would like to ask you to do one thing for me. Uh, having been a pastor for a while, I know what it's like. We come into church, and we kind of put on our best self. It's, uh, it's like what kids learn actually pretty early when they go to Sunday school. Uh, they go to Sunday school and the, uh, they're, they're little and the teacher says, okay, children, what is it that's 
furry and has a tail, climbs trees and hides nuts. And one little boy raises his hand and he said, well, personally, I think it's a squirrel, but since this is Sunday school, I'll say it's Jesus. <laughs> we kind of come with that. We've got a, a church self. I'd like to ask you to don't do that. In fact, if you left the real you out in the car, if you had a fight uh, with your family, with your kids, or kids, if you were just all ticked off at your parents for getting you up this morning, and there's the real you that you left out in the car, please go out and get that. Bring you in here, okay? Because that's who Jesus wants to talk to. Not your Sunday school Jesus face, but you. So can we do that? You just bring you because that's what this is, in fact, about. The passage, 1 Corinthians 10 to 13, this is out of New American Standard, one of a few translations we'll look at. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. 2017 is just starting. God is telling us he knows that we're going to be facing some temptations. You know that. And you know that that's coming. Whether it's coming as soon as you get out of here or whether it's happening even in here that your mind is tempted somewhere else, uh, you know that's coming. And here's God's word for us who face this coming year. Um, this, uh, some of you might recognize a character. Uh, it says, do not push button." Temptation. Underneath what you probably can't read, it says, do you really want to spend the rest of your life wondering? That's sort of how temptation works. But I want to tell you something about the strategy of Satan when we look at, at temptations. Strategy of Satan is to not completely lie to us, but to tell a great deal of truth with some lie. I understand that when an airplane takes off from the airport, if he is one degree off, he's not getting where he's going. And that's all it takes. Um, if I were to ask you, if you borrowed my car, by the way, I don't know you well enough to let you do that, but if you did borrow my car and you drove all over the place, you come back and I say, where did you go? And so you went five places, but you tell me four. Are you lying to me? What do you think? Is that, is that a lie? You didn't tell me anything untrue, but... You didn't tell me the whole truth, and so by intent, you deceived. Well, Satan is like that. To say, do you really want to spend the rest of your life wondering? Well, that's not the whole story. The whole story includes, do you know what the cost of pushing that button is? Uh, do you know what it will do to you and to other people? So as we look at temptation, just the understanding that we all can have that Satan's strategy is to deceive you and if you think, well, it sounds like the truth, that's his plan. Okay. It says no temptation is uncommon. Um, I thought about asking this question to ask you, how many of you struggle with lying? Now, don't raise your hands. Okay, I, I thought about doing that, though, and say, how many of you struggle with lying? But that would put you to the test right away, wouldn't it? <laughs> Do I, do I tell or not? The reason I thought of doing it was so that we could understand that there is somebody beside you who struggles. 
but there are things that go on that are common to other people. One of Satan's strategies is to tell you, you are really an awful person. How could you ever confess anything like that? What would people think of you? I've shared this before, but uh, there was a, a speaker who shared with some of us, uh, about 50 of us were gathered together, and as he started out, he stood up and said, uh, I'm really glad that you are here. Um, I guess I don't understand it, because if, if you knew me like I know me, you wouldn't be here listening to me. But before you get up and leave, if I knew you like you know you, I wouldn't be seen talking to you. And the point he was making is, do you know we're all in that same boat? if people really knew us. Well, here God tells us something for 2017 to say, do you know that other people around you are going through the same things? He tells us in his infallible word, there is no temptation that has taken you, but it's common. Really? It's common. So how common is it and how known to God is it? The passage in Hebrews, I think, is really enlightening. Hebrews 4, 15, and 16, this out of the NIV. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been, get this, tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now, when it says that he, he was tempted in every way like we are, I don't think that means that he was tempted to go online on Facebook and bully people. But I think it means he was tempted to put people down sometimes when, when they got out of line, when he thought that they thought they were better than him. And It says he was tempted in every way. Now, if you think about that, there were people who ticked him off, obviously. He says he got angry with the, the Pharisees. Do you think there were times of, of temptation when he's, he's laying down, they, when they had their meals, they would rest their table, uh, elbow on the table, their feet would be out, and there was a woman kissing his feet. Do you suppose he was tempted? Do you suppose he was ever tempted to take things into his own hands and not to do what the Father wanted him to do? Every category of temptation he faced. So does he understand yours? Yes. It says, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. In light of that, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. 2017, we're going to be facing a lot of stuff. You will face your temptations. Some of them you have never told anyone, and you hope they never find out. And God knows. If you think that God is uh, surprised when you sin or disappointed, if you think he's disappointed in you when you sin, uh, you may have the image of yourself as he picked you in the second draft round out of all the heathen in the world and go, I can use you. Yeah, you'd be good. We can. It's sort of like that picture of, of football where they pick out the ones they think have the best potential, and sometimes the draft picks don't work out and they're disappointed. If you think God is disappointed when you sin, you think of yourself as he expected better of me. 
And I'm here to tell you, he didn't expect anything different. The reason is, he knew you completely. He knew exactly what he was getting when he got you. In fact, when he paid for all of your sins and they were nailed to the cross, you hadn't committed one of them yet, so he knew you were going to do them. He knows the things that you have not yet done, and he will not be disappointed. It's not good, but he's not disappointed. Disappointment means I didn't know. <clears throat> Colossians 2.14 out of the New Living Translation says, He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. And so the list of things, uh, most of them you, you can't read, and that's fine. I hesitated, too, at thinking of uh, what kind of temptations should we name in here in church. Two ways we could have gone on that. One of them would be just, well, just name kind of innocuous, uh, things that, that don't really offend anybody. Like, I took two cookies and, and that's the temptation. The other direction I thought of going is, okay, let's get real and let's name some things, but, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to give attention to some of the, the ludities and some of the, the things that it says are not even, <clears throat> even right to bring to the light and to talk about. But I want you to know that God is very, very aware. It's included on the list that was nailed to the cross that was your list. Even before you had committed any, your list was there. So does he know what you're going to face in temptation? Absolutely. Absolutely he does. So rather than God being that angry God who's pointing at you going, what? Psalm 3, 3 out of the uh, uh, ESV says, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. Isn't that awesome? So in fact, what the Father does when you struggle with temptation is the hand comes out under the chin and says, look at me. I know. I know. Don't buy the lie of the evil one who says you have done such a horrible thing, which you have, but how can you possibly return to God, which you can? And the Father says, look at me. He is the lifter of our head. So, 2017, with the temptations that we're going to be facing. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And then goes on to say, and God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Not tempted beyond what we are able. Before we get to that, and, and typically that's what we would jump to, I want to take the phrase that uh, God is faithful. Have a a few friends who have shared uh, personal things with me, and in the course of life being a pastor, you hear a lot, but there was one, uh, one man who, who said something that just crushed his soul. He had gone through a lot. He had done a lot of things wrong. His wife stayed with him. She went through a lot of things with him. Uh, she was just an amazing person, and he said what really crushed him was that she made this comment to him, at least you've never been unfaithful to me. And he said to me, but one time I was. And it so just tore him up that she would say that as a, a, a vote of confidence in him. Let me ask you, if a husband has, or a wife, has only cheated 
one time, can you call them faithful? Yeah, no? Hear one no? No? No, I don't think so. That's not how we use the word. That's not what it's intended to communicate. So when we say someone is faithful, it means every time, every time, every time, all the time. When we read this and it says God is faithful, does that mean most of the time? It means every time, every time, all the time. So when we start out with that, that's our understanding of God. He is faithful and will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able. <laughs> Isn't that a cool promise? So what you are going to face this coming year, and you will, he has faithfully said, I will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able. Whoa, seriously. All right, how does that work? Uh, how can he say that he will not allow any, because we face temptations all the time. Um, I wanna confess something to you. First of all, I need to find out, are there any uh, police officers in the congregation? Okay, seeing none. Um, I have had the privilege of being a, a ride along with the police department. I did that prior to moving here and then had a chance to be a part of the uh, Police Citizens Academy here in Maple Grove. Uh, it was a really cool experience. And one of the things I was surprised at is how many people go through yellow lights and keep going. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, I just heard of it anyway. Eh? So I asked the police officer, um, so what is actually the rule here? Uh, how, how does it work? And he said, well, if you enter while it is still yellow, you know, then, then it's all right. And I thought, it looks like if you enter, if the red light isn't hot yet, you know, then you can still go. Well, I have to confess this past week, I, uh, I misjudged and I joined the ranks of, I didn't get a ticket yet but it it turned yellow and i thought i don't want to wait forever on hemlock and elm you know <laughs> you know what i'm talking i don't want to sit here forever i'll have to shave again before we get going <laughs> and i went through only when i entered it was i'm still coming up to the crosswalk it turned red i'm still coming up the crosswalk. i went oh nuts so, we face temptations all the time. How can the Lord say he faithfully will see to it that we will not be tempted beyond what we were able? How? How does that work? How can he possibly say that? Well, I want to consider that a little bit here. Psalm 139.4, out of the New Living, you know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. Does that tell you how well he knows you? Okay, the, the next one, Psalm 139, 16. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Now, for another sermon sometime, uh, that is not talking about um, that we're just puppets and he's determined already what we're going to do because the whole rest of the New Testament, read the New Testament and he holds us accountable for do not sin, do not choose, don't, don't talk that way, don't lie to one another, and then the challenges of put on Christ. And, and so, you know, we're held responsible for what we choose, but does he know us? Does he know what your, your life is like? Every detail. 
every detail of what's coming in 2016. Wow, is that good news? In Job, interestingly enough, is a great example. Job 1.12 is the scene where Satan came before God and God said, have you seen my servant Job? And Satan says, well, yes, but it's because you protect him so much, that's why he loves you. But take away some of these things and you'll see he'll curse you. So God says this, all right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan, do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. So what did God say to Satan about the temptations? This far and no farther. And that's what he says for you and me. Now Satan came back and in uh, chapter two asked God, well, yeah, but you let me touch his life and you'll see. God said, okay, you can touch his life, but spare him, you cannot take it. So once again, God said, this far and no farther. That's what scripture tells us about God's faithfulness when he screens all of the things of our life that we're going to be facing. Everything that you are going to face in 2017 has already been screened by him. If he cannot use it for good, and we'll look at Romans in just a second, if he cannot use it for good, he says, no, I cannot allow that to come into my child's life. If it is something that Satan intends for harm like he did with Job, but God wants to use it for good, God says, okay, we can do that. He screened it and he is faithful every, every time, all the time. Now, Romans 8, 28, out of the New Living Translation says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So he has screened it, folks. Our Heavenly Father, who is a good, good Father, is powerful enough to ultimately say, no, not this. And so when we face a temptation in this coming year, you can know God has already seen that and said, okay. Well, that's maybe not quite enough for us. Let's read the verse again and, and go on. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. It goes on to say, but with the temptation, we'll provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Um, any of you remember the Kathy comic strip in the, in the paper? Yeah? I, uh, I came across one that I think is, is actually the, the most accurate description of how we handle temptation very often. And so uh, I couldn't find it to actually print it out, but uh, here is what it says. It's uh, Kathy who, who struggles with, uh, with eating cookies, among other things. She goes into the grocery store, she gets one of the carts, and she says, I will go to the store, but I will not go down the cookie aisle. So she goes in the store, and you see the next frame says, I will go down the cookie aisle, but I will not look at the cookies. And as she gets by the cookies, she turns and looks at them and says, I will look at the cookies, but not put them in my cart. And then it goes on, well, I will put them in my cart, but I will not open them when I get home. And you know what happens after that, right? So, so many cookies, so little time, she just goes, and the cookie crumbs fly everywhere. Do you see the pattern of handling temptation? Can I ask you this? Did God provide a way out for her? Where would that have been? 
Was it early? <laughs> Where do you think she should have maybe said, uh, okay, you know, I know this is a temptation, so, okay, let me get a little interaction back from you here. Um, where do you think she should have seen the opening to, to escape temptation? First step, okay, I will go to the store but not go down the cookie aisle. Yeah, I think so too. A lot of times when God gives us the way out, it's early. And it's up to us to choose that or not to choose that. Each step further we go, well, we're going to look in a second at uh, the context of 1 Corinthians 12, 13. We're making our study just of that one verse, but there's a part that comes before that that leads up to it that puts it in a, a good perspective for us. 1 Corinthians 10, verses 11 and 12. If you have your Bible and you want to look at it, um, what I have up there is quoted from the New American Standard. The, the lead-up to verse 13 is talking about the children of Israel with whom God was displeased because they kept on um, disobeying him. Uh, there were some who got uh, involved in adultery and thousands of them died in one day. There were some who uh, worshipped idols and many of them were, were punished. There were those who, who tested God and, and irritated him. And so it was going down and then it says this. Now these things happened to them as an example. And they were written for our instruction, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. So the verse, the promise that God will provide a way out is not to say, don't worry about it, you won't fall. It says anybody who thinks he stands like, yeah, okay, I can go down the cookie aisle, but I won't put it in my basket. And once you start doing that, watch out, you will fall. Here we are just talking about cookies. You know what your temptations are. Sometimes the way to escape is early. Um, it might be best summary to say flee, like Joseph did from Potiphar's wife. It led him to a lot of trouble, but God accomplished a great purpose. As uh, Potiphar's wife held on to his coat and then lied about what happened. But Joseph did the right thing. Nothing else, flee, get out. Of there. Sometimes, though, it's too late to get out early. That is, some of you have gone through some things, and you know that you are deep into it. Maybe it's a compulsion, maybe we'll call, maybe it's an addiction, uh, whether it's drugs or alcohol or pornography or whatever, and you've gone far enough that it's too late to get out early you can still call for help. God provides a way out. That is your temptation now, and if you want out. And I've gotta tell you, God loves you so much. He accepts you exactly as you are. He knows exactly what you not only have done, but will do, but he loves you too much to leave you there. And so his plan is to speak to your heart and to say, my child, Look at me. I know, but we can't keep doing that. So consider a couple other things. If you already have an addiction to something, and there's a list of some things up there to try to make it a little bit more uh, who we really are, and how things can so quickly move from we thought we were in control to 
they're out of control and they control us. God's promise is amazing. Some people have chosen to have accountability partners. An amazing statement in um, James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Uh, you don't know everybody in here. I don't know everybody in here. How would you feel if I asked you to, and if I just kind of and pointed at someone and said, would you stand up and confess your sins to us so that we can pray for you? Uh, how many of you would not make eye contact? All of a sudden, everybody's shoe would be untied, right? Oh, hey. Um, it's not appropriate to confess your sins to people you don't know or trust. You don't know where they are. You don't know what that will do to, to hear that. But it's very appropriate to confess to someone you know and trust, somebody who cares about you, understands you, who will pray for you. This passage is very clear. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. God knows what's coming in 2017. He's already screened it, and he has given us some things to prepare for that. He has promised. He is faithful. He has said, hey, what you're going to face is common to people. So, like, don't think you're the only one. In fact, understand that Jesus experienced temptations just like you are experiencing. He knows them. Also know that I took them all, and they were nailed to the cross. They have been paid in full. I think it's interesting that uh, this cross doesn't have a lot of um, stick'em notes on there with people's sins still on the cross. It's, it's clean because they've been taken, they've been paid for, paid in full, and our sins are as far as the east is from the west, and he does not remember them anymore. I mean, it's not like he can't. He says, no, they're not, they're not in front of me. I, I do not consider that when I look at you. So while he has done that, he is also providing for you and me this morning as we start 2016. And this is one of the things he provides. I want to wrap it up with this idea. Uh, how does he stay so connected with you and me in our temptations? We just finished the Christmas season, and some of the songs that we were singing uh, included the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And the promise that was so exciting to the people of that time when Jesus was born is that, wow, the king is born. He's with us. Now, if you have the big kid on your team, like if Jesus, God himself, is going to be with you, you'd think, yeah, we're going to win everything. That is, in fact, what the, uh, the nation of Israel thought when Jesus, the king, came. They thought it was going to be a little bit like when you played uh, Red Rover. You remember playing that in school? And whoever got the big kid, that team would win. You know what? You'd stand holding hands like this, and then you'd say, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Igor right over. And this big kid would come running, and you know, then afterwards, the vice principal would be calling 911 to see, how do I put shoulders back together? So if you had the big kid, you'd win. God with us. Wouldn't you have the big kid, and wouldn't you always win? Well, that's what Israel thought. And when they discovered it meant something else, they crucified him. They wanted what they had expected. So, Emmanuel, God with us, what did it really mean? Jesus was with them, and let me read this from John 14, as uh, 
as he spoke to his disciples. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you. Now, who is he talking about? Himself, Jesus. I live with you. He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. Jesus took that next step to say, I'm not just going to be with you. I will be living in you. Where you go, I will go. Now, the interesting thing about that is that we don't leave him in the car when we go places we shouldn't go. He goes with us. Scripture has much to say about don't grieve the spirit, but he is in us. So how does he know our temptations? How does he know it so well? He lives in us. He goes everywhere. Wow, thank you. Don't deserve that, but thank you. So Hebrews 13.5 says, because God has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you, ever, ever. 2017, he is there. He has made a plan. He is in you. He goes with you. No matter what, he will never leave you or forsake you no matter what you face. If the temptation is to get really discouraged, if the temptation is to say, God, this is too much for me, if the temptation is to think that God is so upset with you because you failed so many times and how can you look at him in the face again? He knows that. And he is the lifter of our head to say, come to me, come to me. Okay, he is the power living in us when Acts 1.8 says, and you will receive power. It's not just to be witnesses, that is to be victorious you will receive power. He is the power that we need. In case you feel like uh, your, your temptation is a Goliath, just remember David. He, God is powerful. His spirit in us is powerful. So as you start this year, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Do you believe that? Someone has said, we don't believe what we say we believe. We believe what we do. Will you trust him that this year starting this moment, that the temptation you face, he will have already screened and he is offering the way out and that his power is great enough to be victorious over that. You are not defeated with his spirit in you. I'd like to pray. God, we don't deserve your forgiveness. We certainly don't deserve you living in us, but you, by your great grace, have chosen to do that. Thank you for the promise you give us in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. The promise of providing a way out for having screened everything that nothing is too great for us. And thank you that your power of your spirit is in us to conquer. Oh, we love you. And we pray Jesus in the power of your name. Amen.